Hey guys, this is Alan Stein Jr. And I am here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a quick second and thank our audience. Because of your continuous support in our podcast, we have surpassed over 24,000 downloads. We are excited to continue bringing you incredible guests and inspiring you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits. And with that, we are excited to share with you today's guest, Alan Stein Jr. Some of you may not know this, but Steve and I are huge sports fans and we've always found ways to connect sports and business. And we even attest that the majority of our leadership skills and work ethics come from our time playing high level sports. Well, Alan Stein Jr. has done exactly that. His message is all about how you can sustain your game by managing stress, avoiding stagnation, and beating burnout. He is making such waves with his message that he even recently got invited to share his story on the Ed Milet Show. Alan is able to deliver this message because he has worked with some athletes that you may have heard of before, like Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and has taken what he learned from them and applied it to how we as entrepreneurs can leverage the same ethics and skills to sustain our game. This episode is full of so many golden nuggets, and Alan is such a giving human that I am positive you will leave this episode excited to try some of the tactics that he shares with us. Let's not waste any more time and let you guys get acquainted with Alan Stein Jr. Alan, welcome aboard. Oh, it's so awesome to be with you guys. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Thanks so much for taking the time to come in. I know you're a a well-known speaker now and getting your name out there and doing some incredible talks. But what I really wanted to chat with you about was Steve and I are big sports guys. And along the way, we attest sports to being something that's allowed us to become successful in business and in life and the leadership skills we have. And I know you played some sports growing up and then transitioned to become a coach and then now a motivational speaker. What was that transition like for you and what skills did you bring along the way with you from playing sports when you were younger into the skills that you have today? I'm so thankful that sports and basketball in particular, but sports in general have been a major red thread throughout my entire life. The first third of my life I was consumed by sports as an athlete myself, and I did play just about every single thing under the sun. All of the major conventional team sports, football, soccer, baseball, basketball, but I even dabbled in martial arts and skateboarding and BMX biking. And then the next third of my life, I was a basketball performance coach. I realized that I wanted to keep sports and basketball in particular as a major pillar of my life and my career. And now I'm in that next third. And while I don't do anything specifically in the sporting arena, I'm the proud parent of three 
young children that all play youth sports. So now I'm on the sideline as a parent and as a father, seeing it through a very different lens. So sports have been incredibly impactful. Uh, I've always believed that sports can teach certain life lessons that are really hard to learn anywhere else. I'm a huge advocate of education. Both of my parents were elementary school teachers, but there are things that you'll learn on the basketball court or on the soccer field that you simply can't learn in a math class or a history class. And even as a parent, there there are life lessons that my kids learn through sport that would be very hard for me to teach them or model for them directly. So I've always valued the very high utility that sports brings to the rest of our lives and have made my living doing that. Right now, I give keynote talks and workshops and write books for the business world, but they're all drawing on the lessons that I learned from sports and how one can improve their leadership, how you can improve accountability, how you can build culture. And they're all things that I've drawn on from sports. So I'm I'm very much in the same camp as you guys as have a high reverence for sports, not only as a fan, but as a way to self-improvement. I love that. And that just aligns so much with Steve and I and everything we talk about and preach and how sports has impacted us so much. What would you say be one of the greatest characteristics that you've seen in athletes that are now into business that they've carried along with them that they learned in the sport? The two things that I've seen that have really united both worlds, the business world and the sports world. The first is a respect and appreciation for the basics and the fundamentals And right along with that is a respect and appreciation for the process. If you come from sport, you understand that learning the fundamentals. So we'll use basketball as an example. The fundamentals of shooting, passing, rebounding, defending, and handling the ball. You have to be able to do those things at a really high level if you aspire to be a great basketball player. But it's the same thing in the business world. Whether you're an executive or you're in HR or you're a sales professional, you have to get crystal clear on what those basics are. What are the fundamentals that you need to work towards mastery of in order to be really good at your craft and to make a maximum contribution to your team? And that parlays nicely into this whole concept of the process. We all understand in sports being a finite game, regardless of which sport you're talking about, The team that has the most points on the scoreboard when the final buzzer goes off is the winner. So everyone already knows that the outcome is important and that you're trying to win the game. We know that. But the ones that do that at the highest level are the ones that focus on the process, on the practices and the workouts and the film studies. And then even when you get to the game, the ones that focus on this possession right here, you know, we're not worried about what may or may not happen by the end of the game. We want to win this possession, and this translates into the business world as well. It's wonderful to have a North Star. Maybe your company has a revenue goal that you're trying to achieve by the end of the year or quarterly or monthly goals and quotas. That's wonderful. But the ones that do that at the highest level, they take their eyes off of that North Star and they put it on the day-to-day behavior, the day-to-day habits. An elite sales professional knows they want to sell 100 widgets every month. But they wake up and say, what do I need to do today that's going to take me a little bit closer to that? Who do I need to call? Who do I need to build a relationship with? Who do I need to follow up with? What do I need to research? What do I need to study to get me closer to that hundred? And that is definitely a common thread. And then one other common thread I would say is elite performers in sport and business. They're confident because they've earned the right to be confident by the work they put in during the unseen hours but they also have humility. And that humility is what allows them to stay open to coaching and open to feedback. The best athletes in the world, regardless of sport, are open to coaching and they crave 
trainers and coaches and people that can help them improve. And it's been my experience, the same thing with those in business and uh, the ones that realize they're always going to be a work in progress. They're always going to be under construction that no matter how good they are, they're still willing to invest their time and their money and their energy into their growth and development. And they never want to stop evolving. So those are two of the most glaring examples of the similarities between those two worlds. I think one of the biggest pieces I heard out of that was bundled up into a word of preparation. And I've heard you say this on your podcast before, where preparation is a sign of respect. I loved that. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, please? I'll be happy to. One of my mentors, a gentleman named Kevin Eastman, who is a longtime assistant NBA coach, former college coach, and does speaking and writing now. I believe he's the one who's coined it because I always give him the attribution, but he says, make preparation your separation. And it is a controllable factor. We all control how prepared we are for any situation. And yeah, I do believe preparation is a sign of respect in a variety of different capacities. And I want to go on note and say, and this, I will say this with a huge smile. I take so much pride in my preparation, but I want all of your listeners and viewers to know I was late to our call today because I had the wrong time written on my calendar. So we're in vastly different time zones. And I thought today's interview was at 5.30 Eastern. So I came into my office at 4.45 Eastern to have 45 minutes to prepare for you guys because of how much I respect you and how much I want to add value to your audience. And I come to find out that my mistake meant I was 15 minutes late. You actually caught me in a moment where I probably have not appeared to be as respectful or as prepared as I normally would because of that mistake. But you know what? I can say that with a smile and I don't mind being vulnerable with that because I also recognize that I'm human and I'm fallible and I make mistakes and I don't make any excuses. I wrote the wrong time down on my calendar. That was it. And you guys have been gracious enough and kind enough and patient enough to let this roll and for us to still get this done. So for that, I'm incredibly thankful. But that is a perfect example of here I was thought I was being early so I could prepare for you. And instead, I was running a little bit late. But thankfully, this is what I do 24 seven. Like I feel prepared to add value to both of you and to your audience right now. But it was definitely one. It threw me for a little ringer when I made the wrong time. (laughs) And we respect that so much. We respect transparency and people that own own the space. And it's really incredible. And I want to stay on that concept of developing habits and stuff. And I heard you share a story where you went and watched Kobe Bryant in a private early morning workout and you didn't say anything. You just showed up, you watched and the same thing. You thought you were going to show up early. Kobe beat you there and was already warmed up and sweaty before you even got there. And But one thing you said was he was just doing a lot of the basic moves over and over again. And when you asked him about it, he said, I never get bored of the basics. What can we as business owners do every single day that is considered a basic move, but helps build that reputation to get better every single day? I'm so glad you went in this direction. And Steve, I know that I didn't thoroughly answer your question about preparation and respect. And I will tie back to that because I always want to make sure that you guys are thoughtful enough to ask such insightful questions. I want to make sure that I'm answering them. So let's cover this part about the basics and then we can loop back to that because that's important for me to over-deliver for you guys. But one of the most important exercises I think anyone in any walk of life can go through is ask themselves, 
what it is they aspire to be excellent at, whether that's in your relationship, whether that's being a parent, whether that's running a business, whether you're an executive or a sales professional, figure out what it is that, that you really aim for greatness in and then work your way back, reverse engineer that and ask yourself, what are the basic building blocks that go into being really good at, again, fill in the blank. And once you start to, to carve that out and figure out what those building blocks are, those are the things that you need to make sure you're paying attention to every single day. Now, the cool part about focusing on the basics and even using Kobe as an example, when I watched Kobe's early morning workout, he spent about 45 minutes doing footwork and some basic offensive moves. These were things that I had taught to middle school age players. But Kobe understands the compound effect of doing a little bit a lot, doing a little bit consistently, doing a little bit frequently. So he doesn't have to spend four hours a day doing basic footwork. He can spend 15 to 20 minutes a day doing it, but he does it every single day for months, years, and in his case, decades. So when I tell folks to focus on the basics, it doesn't mean they have to monopolize your entire day. Just make sure you don't leave them and you carve out time every day to focus on the basics of whatever you want to be good at. One of the most universal examples, whether you're trying to be better in your relationship, you're trying to be a better parent, you're trying to be a better coach, a better entrepreneur, a better podcast host, a better executive, is something you two are doing a brilliant job of right this moment, and that is the skill of listening. Being an active listener will absolutely improve your ability to communicate, your ability to lead and influence and impact. And I know firsthand because this is a skill set that I've really had to work on and improve over the last several years in particular. I'm not saying I'm anywhere close to being a world-class listener now, but I'm better than I used to be. And that used to be a really a real Achilles heel in my relationships and so forth. So that's one skill, an example of a basic that says, okay, if I want to have impact and influence, I want to lead people, I want to have strong, forged, connected relationships, then I need to become a better listener. And I need to look for every single opportunity where I can get some reps and practice the skill of listening. And with most things, purposeful practice compounded with time and consistency will yield results. There's really nothing else even possible, but it's a step that is often skipped. Ellen, you have a quote. I want to ask you about fear, <clears throat> get into that next level. You have a quote that is, are the habits you have today on par with the dreams you have for tomorrow? Beautiful quote, by the way. And it was one of those pieces that I was reflecting back and I was like, damn it, no. <laughs> a part of that gap is the, I guess I'll say luxuries I have today that I feel like I might have to sacrifice to get to the dreams that I'll ultimately want, say 10 years down the road. Speaking to me specifically and other people who might be in my situation where they have high ambitions, but might not be like walking the talk today to get to, to live that life today. How do you close that gap? First and foremost, make sure you give yourself some grace because every single person on the planet has a, has that gap. Now, some folks gap is razor thin and other folks, you could probably drive a truck through it, but everybody, if they're being honest, realize there's always a gap between your actual self and your desired self. And th that, that gap is what we should always be striving to improve and work to close and work to evolve. Generally speaking, the first thing this takes is a level of awareness and acknowledgement. You'll never improve something you're oblivious to. You'll never fix something you're unaware of. So first and foremost, you have to take a look at your habits and your daily behaviors. 
You have to get crystal clear on your goals and your core values and your mission. And then you need to be able to look at those two things side by side and ask yourself, are you making decisions on a consistent basis that are in alignment with that? Because the second part of that quote is if your habits are not in alignment with your dreams or goals, then one of those things has to change. You either have to level up your habits and your behavior, or you have to lower your goals and dreams. And I always say that one with a smile because very few people walking this earth want to lower their goals or dreams. They do often want to have both. They don't want to necessarily make the commitment or sacrifice or put in the work now. And they still hope, plead, wish, and want for those goals to come true. But they know deep in their heart that those things are not in alignment. So the goal is trying to get those things in alignment. And for me, it all starts with clarity on the person that I'm working to become. Let me clarify that as well. When I say that the person I'm working to become, I'm not postponing who I'm trying to be. I'm not postponing happiness or fulfillment. Like I'm working on these things now, but I realized, as I said earlier, I will always be a work in progress. You're never going to put me under museum glass. I will never be done. And I actually enjoy that journey. I enjoy working towards self-actualization. For me, here's how I try to work to close that gap. I'm 46 years old. I am crystal clear on the man that I want to be 20 years from now. Now, I'm well aware that time is not promised. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. But I take really good care of myself physically, mentally, and emotionally. And barring something unforeseen, I don't see any reason why I won't live another 20 years. And just without going into too much detail, I want the 66-year-old Alan to be physically, mentally, and emotionally fit. I want the 66-year-old Alan to have a strong connection with his family, his friends, his children, and the people that mean the most to him. And I want the 66-year-old Alan to be doing what he considers meaningful work that is in service of others. So that's who I envision myself being 20 years from now. Now, keep in mind, I'm working to be that person today. I want all of those attributes today. But when I'm 66, that's what I'm hoping would be words that would describe me. So what I do in present day is I try to make as many decisions as possible, both large and small, that are in alignment with becoming that person. From what I choose to eat for lunch to to who I follow on Instagram, I make sure that it is in alignment and taking me slightly closer to becoming that person. And when I make decisions very consistently that are in alignment with becoming that person, that is who I'll become. And now I'm not batting a thousand, but the goal is to make progress. I don't want to be stifled by perfection. I want to be motivated by progress. And one of the kind of esoteric questions I ask myself every night before I go to bed, I say, Alan, you just traded 24 hours of your life for the progress that you made today. Are you happy with that trade? And if I can say yes, then I can close my eyes and get a restful night's sleep. On the rare occasion where I say no, today was not my best day. I made some, I had some lapses in judgment. I made some boneheaded decisions. I didn't show up as my best self. I learned to forgive myself, give myself some grace and say, today wasn't my best day, but I'm still going to get some peaceful sleep because tomorrow I got another crack at this thing and I'm going to do a better job tomorrow. And if I can make sure that my behavior is in alignment with where it is that I'm trying to go, then inevitably that is where I'll be. And that again, is the person I'm trying to be at present, but it's the person I'm working to become. I always want to become a better version of myself. And I actually enjoy that journey. So that is a question that I pose to others, but it's one that I reflect on and ask myself all of the time. So to really answer your question, in order to close that gap, 
You need to look at the decisions that you're making on a daily basis and try to just make slightly better decisions in any area of your life. And without going into too much more detail, because I know this was a really long-winded answer, there's two areas that will really impact that. One is the people that you choose to surround yourself with. Are you surrounding yourself with the type of people that love you, care about you, are pushing to evolve themselves, people that will hold you accountable, and people that want you to become that person? That's one question. And then the other is, what are you reading, watching, and listening to? What is it that you're consuming? And I'm not talking about actual food. What is it that you're consuming on a regular basis? And is that type of stuff empowering and enriching and educating you to become that best version of yourself? Because I've always believed that the inputs directly produce the outputs. That if you want to improve your mindset and your attitude and your thoughts and your habits and your behaviors, then you need to change the inputs. You need to change what you're listening to and watching and reading because garbage in will produce garbage out. So those are some areas that can help one close that gap. I think everybody who's listening right now needs to pause, rewind a few minutes and re-listen to all of that because that was absolute gold, dude. Thank you so much. One of the other reasons why I love contributing to Kids Sport Victoria and anything youth with sports, and I know you're a, a huge advocate for youth and sports as well, is often in life, in any area of it, we can be hit hard with a loss. Maybe it's in personal life, maybe it's in business, maybe it's on the ice or on the court. And sport teaches you how to rally, how to face that adversity and how to come back hungrier and go back and just fight for that win. And maybe it's a solo sport like track, maybe it's team, both work different types of muscles and things. Can you tell, can you think of a story or a time where a loss has taught you a lesson and it turned into one of your greatest comebacks? Oh, absolutely. And this is this happens all of the time. And to me, what's most important is learning how to frame it. I'm a big believer in language and the power of words. And I want to make sure that folks know that just because you lost the game does not make you a loser. Like that is, that is very detrimental language to use for oneself. And, and I know... It's a little bit cliche to say, but there's a lot of truth to that adage that you don't win or lose, you either win or learn. And I know it sounds a little corny. Most of these things that have stuck with us for decades on end, there's a little bit of corniness to them, which is why we remember them and why they bring a smile to our face when we say them. Yeah, adversity and challenge and losing, whether it's an opportunity or a game, these are the things that reveal our true character. They're the biggest opportunities for growth. They're the biggest opportunities for learning a lesson. And this goes back and as promised, also dovetails into this concept of, of preparing is respect. That is what I learned in sport that you, first of all, you need to have a respect for the game. So you need to be fully prepared for every practice, every workout and every game, because you respect the game itself. You need to have a respect and a reverence for your teammates and your coaches. When you sign up to be a part of something bigger than yourself, like a basketball team or a hockey team, you are making the unwritten commitment that you are going to show up to make a maximum contribution to the team, every practice, every workout, every game, and that you are counting on your teammates to do the exact same thing. So you need to be the type of teammate that you want to play with. You also have to have a respect for your opponent and respect that your opponent is doing everything in their power to have more points on the scoreboard at the end of the game. I'm also a huge believer that time is our most precious resource and that our attention in the present moment is the most valuable currency we have to give someone else. That's awesome, man. And 
I want to change gears a little bit here. And you just released recently released a book called Sustain Your Game. We've talked a lot about ramping up and finding the differences, but in Sustain Your Game, one of your taglines is a way to improve productivity, impact, results, and fulfillment while simultaneously decreasing burnout, attrition, and stress. How might, like, why is that important? And how might somebody look at decreasing their burnout and getting rid of stress? So my first book, Raise Your Game, which came out in 2019, was focused on how we could reach optimal performance in any area of our life, to reach that proverbial mountaintop, if you will. And I've come to realize, while I'm still on the climb and I have not reached the peak of that mountain yet, I've come to realize that reaching optimal performance is only part of the challenge. The real battle is learning how to stay there and sustain it and stay atop of that peak once you've reached it. And it's been my experience and my observation, and this has only been heightened during the two-year global pandemic, but the three things that undermine our ability to sustain excellence, to sustain performance, to sustain fulfillment are stress, stagnation, and burnout. Those are the three things that we have to be very cognizant of. And I believe they actually happen over three different timelines that we are always weaving in and out of. We all face stress in the moment in our day-to-day lives. Uh, We all have the temptation to reach stagnation when we reach a certain level of success. We put on the mental cruise control and we say to ourselves, I'm doing just fine. This is good enough. And then if those two things accumulate, eventually you run the risk of running into burnout. And I define burnout as a misalignment between the hours you're working and the sacrifices that you're making and the fulfillment and joy that you're getting from the work that you're doing. When you're putting in a lot of hours, but you don't find meaning in your work, when you're making a lot of sacrifices, but you don't really think you're making a contribution to the greater good, when you're making a commitment to something bigger than yourself, but it's not in alignment with your own interests or your core values, when those two things splinter in different directions, that's when we reach burnout. So burnout's not just from working a lot. We all know folks that absolutely love what they do. They find immense purpose and intention in what they do. They can work a lot of hours and it actually fills their bucket. It doesn't drain it. So stress, stagnation, and burnout are the things that that I'm still combating. I said it before and I'll say it again. With everything we're talking about right now, I'm not speaking from a place of mastery on any of this stuff. I'm on the path And I struggle and have challenges just like you two and just like your listeners do, but I accept that and I'm okay with that. And I give myself grace for that. But what I found when I do a good job of managing my own stress, stagnation, and burnout, I'm usually performing at a pretty high level in every area of my life. That's a good transition for us to start moving into the giving side of our podcast. And obviously it's called Go Big to Give Big. And when Steve and I came up with this mission, it was around how much passion we added to our business when we added a philanthropic adventure into it or some sort of giving component to it. So as we started giving more, we actually got more excited about business, rejuvenated our excitement, and it brought us back to the loving component of why we got into it. And now is the driving factor for us to want to do more and put the hours in and continue to grow as a company. What do you think when you hear go big to give big that people can aspire to do while going bigger and giving bigger? First and foremost, as far as an overall mantra and a tagline and a way to live your lives, 
I have so much respect and admiration for you guys. I think that is tremendous. And I will say in full transparency and with some vulnerability, those are actually the two areas that I have been trying to make progress in, but still have the most work to do. I, I can say that, that for most of my life, I don't believe I've dreamed big enough. I actually think I've kept my sights in very manageable areas because the, I had an insecurity that if I wasn't reaching my goals, that I would be looked at as a failure. So unconsciously, I didn't set very lofty goals. I set shallower goals so that I could hit them at a much higher clip and have this false sense of security. And it's taken some therapy and certainly taken some years of life experience to come to the realization of that, that I actually need to aim bigger, strive bigger, and dream bigger. And it's something I'm working on. If I had have met you guys five years ago, I think you'd be proud of the progress I've made, but I still don't dream near as big as I probably should. Same thing with the giving side. And this is in no way am I deflecting blame onto my parents. I have wonderful parents who love me immensely and really poured into me. But I was raised in a household with a scarcity mindset that there was never enough and that you needed to hold on to everything that you had. Now, that was more from a financial standpoint. You know, my parents are incredibly philanthropic when it comes to giving of time, when it comes to mentoring and tutoring. Even to this day, when they retired as elementary educators within a year of retirement, uh, and they've done this for the last 20 years, they volunteer full time at a nonprofit that, that helps foster kids in the South Carolina area. So that has always been modeled for me. And I think giving of my time has always come rather natural to me. Giving of my money has not. And it's because of that scarcity mentality. And I know on a conscious level, I want to live a life of abundance. I know that I have the skill sets and the mindsets and the ability to attract everything in my life that I want. And I need to be much more giving with that that I have. And it is something I'm aware of and trying to improve. So I just say the fact that this is what you guys do and do on a high level I appreciate you modeling that for me, that this is something that you guys inspire me and I'm going to look to do a better job because you all have raised the bar so high. And for that, I'm really grateful. Thank you for the kind words, man. I really appreciate that. And that's why we started this podcast is really helping people understand that it doesn't have to come from writing a six-figure check to a charity because you finally made it. It can come from a dollar from a book that you sell and then you go sell thousands of book, or it can be giving your books away. We just talked to a guy who said he wants to be the biggest book giver in the world. He wants to give his book away to the most amount of people. And so there's so many various different types of giving. And obviously your time is one of the ones that is very profound for you. How has giving your time made you a better human? First and foremost, it as you guys know, which is why this is part of your mantra, there are very few things that give you the joy and elation as when you serve somebody else, when you give and pour into somebody else. It's one of the interesting relationships in the world is the fact that the more you give, the better you feel. You're doing good for somebody else and, and hopefully they appreciate it and welcome it and receive it and are grateful, but it also feels really good. So one of the best ways to fill your own bucket so that you can be the best version of yourself is to give and is to be grateful. And the more you appreciate the things you have, then ultimately the more things you'll have to appreciate. And if you come from this position of abundance, where you just realize that, that you are an energy that can attract all of the things in your life that you want, and there's no reason to hold on to that, 
that's a major step. And as I've said, for me, it's really interesting how it's, I've done a pretty good job of this in the giving of time. One of the earliest things I learned from both from my parents, as well as from the sporting world was that a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. If I have a candle and I reach over and light yours up, mine's still lit. Nothing was taken away from me. This is not zero sum. And I think too many people live zero sum. And what I need to do is start taking that mindset and applying that on the financial side and saying that, yes, if I were to give a dollar away for every book sale, I don't need to look at that as a dollar I don't have. I need to look at that as a way of championing and helping somebody else. And this podcast, like many things that happen in my life, will be the impetus to starting that. We all need these little sparks. And that's why people follow you guys. That's why people attend your events. That's why people want to mimic what it is that you've created a framework for those exact same reasons. Yeah. For that, I actually embrace knowing when there's something that I need to focus on and something that I need to get better at. That's where the competitor in me comes out. And it's not a competition as far as the comparison game. This is not about, can I do more than the next person? Or can I give more than the next person? I actually think that defeats the purpose. What I can start to say, and this goes back to, are the habits you have today on par with the the person you want to be tomorrow? I need to change that vision of myself at 66 and add a philanthropic component to that and say, I want the 66-year-old Alan to be someone that gives freely of time and money. And then I need to start making decisions in present day that will put me on that path to do that. So the challenge is with myself. Can I be a more giving human being today than I was yesterday? And can I be a more giving human being a year from now that I am? And as I've said, the, I feel like it's always come naturally on the time side. Now I need to equal that on the financial side that I'm starting to attract those things in my life through speaking and writing. Dude, I don't know if you can tell, but like my cheeks are getting sore just from smiling this entire podcast. I love listening to you. What's You have three young kids. What is something that you want to inspire them with that is going to last for generations? The obvious answer based on what we've just been talking about is that shift, is modeling for my children a life of abundance, is modeling for them that well, when you have enough and your basic needs are taken care of, any excess, you should look to share and you should look to light other people's candles, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, in whatever way that takes form. But that's something that I need to model. One thing that I've learned firsthand as a parent is You need to model the behavior that you'd like to see your children emulate. We've talked about preparation. I model that for my children. My children know how I prepare for certain things. One of my, I don't have very many rules with my kids, but one of my foundational rules and guidelines with my children is to be respectful. Be respectful of yourself. Be respectful of your body. Be respectful of your classmates and your friends and family. Be respectful of the environment. Be respectful. Be respectful. Because to me, that overarching umbrella covers so many different things. But I don't sit my children down and do a PowerPoint presentation on respect. And I don't try to create some acronym where each letter in the word respect spells out a different word. No, what I do is I make sure that I am respectful to everyone and everything I come in contact with as consistently as I can. And my children, they see that. And hopefully that they're soaking that in. I could talk to them about being respectful. And then when I go take them out to dinner and I'm rude to the waiter, they're going to see that my behavior is not alignment with my beliefs and not just children, but everyone will always do what you do more than what you say. So it's really important that I'm modeling these things. And once again, I'm so grateful that you guys have helped remind me of a blind spot that I have because 
I want my kids to have a life of abundance and I want them to be philanthropic and givers. And at present, I'm not modeling that to the degree that I'm capable of. And this, I say with a smile, this gives me something to aspire to, something to light my fire because I want them to do that. And I do believe one of the best gifts I can give the world is not just what I do, but it's the fact that I'm influencing three human beings that hopefully will grow up, be happy, well-adjusted contributors to this world. I mean, that's at scale. There's one of me, there's three of them. If I can get them on the right path, hopefully I've just tripled my output. That's awesome, dude. And one of the things I've loved so much about listening to you speak is just you're always, you're never ashamed and you're always aspiring to grow and and do more and take ideas in, which is something amazing. And I just want to close that loop there and say, one of the things Steve and I believe in is that so many people talk about wanting seven figures in the bank account, but not enough people talking about wanting to be a seven-figure husband a seven-figure father, a seven-figure giver, and all these different aspects of that. And I think you've summed that up in what you were saying there. If you just want all your buckets full, not just the one. For sure. No, I appreciate your acknowledgement of that. And let me say in this spirit of full transparency, working on not piling on shame and guilt on top of myself. That's a tough one. That's one I've struggled with in the past for sure. And all it ever did was lead to exhaustion and lead to me feeling really lousy. I understand the reasons we have emotions like shame and guilt, but I don't find them incredibly productive when you're trying to move forward. So again, I hold myself to a very high standard. I'm very open to feedback. I love when I bring people in my life that can expose a blind spot. I hold myself fully accountable. I don't blame, complain, or make excuses. I do the best I can with what I have wherever I am. And when I fall short, when I make a mistake, when I have a lapse in judgment, when I show up for a podcast recording 15 minutes late, I can move quickly to the next play. And I don't beat myself up because there's that just won't add any value. And that's something that has taken years of practice to get better at. Because self-loathing, being very critical, those things came really naturally to me for most of my life, but I'm trying to strip myself of those so that I can be much more emotionally agile. And uh, once again, the work is what I find fun. And it's really neat because when you look at life, we're going to always ebb and flow. We're not just ebbing and flowing through stress and stagnation and burnout, but there's sometimes where I say, I need to pay a little bit more attention to being a better father. Because at this moment, I'm not being a seven-figure father. I've been putting too much emphasis on another part of my life, and I want to try to harmonize those things. I'm not a huge believer in balance, only because that connotation for me means that everything needs to be equal. And for me in my life, that doesn't really resonate because there are times where some things need more attention than others. But I just want to make sure that I have my priorities in order, and I'm crystal clear on my core values and what I value most. And that I live my life based on those things and not doing that in reverse. And uh, yeah, because I, I don't believe excellence should be a switch that one turns on and off. I believe in order to be our best selves, we should aim for excellence in all of these different areas of our life. Doesn't mean we'll always be excellent in every area of our life, but we can certainly strive for that. And I do aspire to have a seven-figure bank account, but not for the selfish reasons, for the freedom it can create, for the security it can provide my children. And now as we're highlighting, also for the good that I can do in the world. It's that old adage, and I, sometimes I say this incorrectly, I think it is, if you do well, then you can do good, I believe they, they say, which, which means there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money, especially if you're going to use that as a tool to serve others. That's beautiful, man. And really appreciate all of that. And I know that our listeners will too. And just before we jump into like our fire giving around a rapid fire piece, I want to ask you about a time where giving 
just meant a lot to you, a time that still gives you goosebumps when you think about it. Is there a story there that you can share with us that if you look down, if you took off your camo jacket, you're still shivering or the hairs are popping up? The one that pops out, this is something that I've set a standard for myself in the new year and I, new year being in 2022. I'm well aware that it's April right now, but I was inspired by someone that I had heard as a guest on another podcast. And I cannot for the life of me recall who said this, but there were two different ways that you can give anonymously. And I want to put a pin in that anonymous part because I've got a part two to that. One is now that the world is opening back up and I'm traveling a lot for speaking engagements, I bring my own stationery that's a thank you card and I leave a handwritten thank you note and $10 per night for the maid service, whoever's going to clean up the room and basically just say, hey, I realize that most of the work you do is during the unseen hours, but I appreciate what you're doing and thank you for providing a clean and beautiful room. And it's only $10 a night. I don't think it's life-changing by any means, but I'm hoping that it's a gesture and even more important than the money is the note that they feel seen and heard and appreciated for their contribution. And I've made a commitment to doing that every time I stay somewhere other than my home. Another one that I've heard someone do, and I have I'm yet to do this, but I want to add this to my list as well, is when you go out to dinner, just randomly pick up another family's check, just pay the check. And that one's hard too, because ideally you'd like to do it for a family that might need it more than somebody else. But both are just ways to just pay it forward. Small token of appreciation and gratitude for humanity at large. Those are at least small steps that, that I want to continue doing to put me on the path to be able to do bigger and be able to give more. And the reason I put a pen in the anonymous part is I've actually made a couple of posts about that. And it's very interesting because sometimes I get pushback because people think I'm trying to be boastful when I say that. And I try to explain to them, I'm not doing it to be boastful. I'm doing it in hopes that someone will read this post and then they'll want to do it as well. Because I heard this on a podcast and I immediately said, I want to do this. If I would have never heard that on the podcast, if that person never would have acknowledged that was something they did, then I wouldn't be doing it either. So I want to find that balance because I never, I never want that to feel like I'm lacking humility and, hey, look at me, because that's not what it is. It's more of, I know I have some people that, that enjoy my work and enjoy my content and follow my lead. And if someone reads my post and then five people next week go stay at a hotel and leave a thank you note and some money for the... Now we're starting to create a movement. So same thing with the reason I'm, I picked that to share with your audience is not for any accolades. I don't need a pat on my head for doing it, but I'm hoping some of your listeners right now say, you know what? I like that idea. Next time I stay at a hotel, I'm going to do the same thing. Or next time I go out to dinner, I'm going to do the same thing. Dude, I absolutely love that. And Steve and I are huge components of that. What we do uh, we call it within our business, but what we share publicly and giving in our business, we share publicly donating $10 a door and making donations to Kids for Victoria. That's publicly, that's meant to inspire. That's not what I do personally. Personally, I give money when I do different things to my own personal beliefs, but as a business and I'm trying to inspire, to me, I'm doing it with a good intention of I'm trying to inspire people, not to just brag. And I think that's a huge distinction. And I'm glad you shared that, dude, because that is so powerful. And I hope people listening, because I guarantee you next time I go to a hotel, I'm going to do the same thing. So thanks for inspiring me. My pleasure. And I'm glad that you guys share that publicly, because now you are having an impact on me and an influence on me. And I think that's what we should all all, all be striving to do. And it, it still goes back to that, that candle loses nothing, lighting <laughs> another candle. That's what we can all do. If, if we could have an army of people 
that would leave thank you notes and money to the maid service, that would pick up a tab for a family that looks like they could use a little bit of help. They're having a rough night donating the way that you guys donate. Yeah, let's make this the norm and let's make this something that we have pride in doing, but the pride comes from the inspiration and the gratitude of it, not for anything self-serving. 100% dude. Look, we could probably sit here and talk for three more hours about sports, business, and giving back, but we got to end this up here. And the way <laughs> we like to end our show is with the giving round. So just short, quick, concise answers on a few questions. You ready? I'll do my best to be short and concise. As you can see, that's part of my problem as a professional speaker. I give keynotes every time you guys lob me a question. <laughs> that's good, man. We'll test your skills here. Brag on one charity that you like. Fostering Hope, which is what my parents volunteer for down in South Carolina. Nice. What gets you more excited? Donating a $1 million check or spending a week physically helping others? I've never donated the $1 million check and I have donated my time and that's brought me tremendous fulfillment. So since that's the only one I've experienced, I'll say donating the week at present. Who inspires you with their giving? Boy, you two right off the bat, which I think is so cool because we're just now meeting and just now getting acquainted, but I'm hoping this is going to be a, uh, a friendship and a partnership that continues to grow. But you two absolutely come to mind. I will say hell yeah to that. Do you think that entrepreneurs should start giving from the very beginning of their business or after they've seen some success and have some money in their bank account? The life experience I have now says absolutely do it from the jump because as I've mentioned, I think I even said this before we hit record. I allowed myself to have the mindset that I will start giving when I reach a certain level, but you don't need to reach a certain level. Whether you give 10 cents on $1 or you give 100,000 on a million, you're still giving the same percentage and you need to start flexing that muscle and practicing that. And I actually believe if you're not willing to give 10 cents off of $1, you most likely won't end up giving the 100,000 off of a million when you get to that level. And I'm living proof that I need to start practicing and flexing that muscle now so that I will be able to write a seven-figure check one day. Giving can also be in many different forms. It can be in free programs, mentorship resources, helping kids, things like that. What's one unique way that you've given back? Throughout the pandemic, I probably did two or 300 virtual programs and or webinars or would just pop in and speak to a class or a team. And of all of those, roughly half of those were just giving of my time. I thought that was the most effective way that I could use my skill set to serve as a pick-me-up for people during really challenging and tough time. Beautiful. In one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Joy, I can see that in your face. <laughs> Look, the last question we have for you, this question we ask everybody, it's the age-old question. You can elaborate as much as you want on this one. Yes. <laughs> Do you believe that money can buy you happiness? No. Why? One distinction I want to make is between happiness and fulfillment. I actually believe happiness is an emotion and it's ever fleeting. Nobody is happy all of the time. Fulfillment is something that's much deeper. I believe that, that you can have a crappy day. You can be in an argument. You could have lost money in a business. You could have gotten denied a proposal. You could have lost a big game and you still have a sense of fulfillment. You might not be very happy in that moment. You still have a sense of fulfillment. So to me, the North Star for me is a sense of elation, joy, and fulfillment because I know happiness is going to ebb and flow just like all other emotions. I believe 
like many things, money is simply a revealer. I believe that when you have a lot of money, it's going to reveal what's already inside of you. I would think most people are aware of folks that have the large bank account, but aren't very happy, aren't very fulfilled. They don't have quality relationships. They don't have great physical health. So it can be a tool that if used correctly, can provide certain freedoms and opportunities, which can add to one's happiness and fulfillment. But in and of itself, it won't do the trick because the other part of living in kind of this world where we're always chasing and wanting more is you just can't satiate that. You think to yourself, when I have a million dollars, I'll be happy. But anyone who's ever said that, once they've gotten the million dollars, they realize there might be a very short-lived elation, but then there's an empty, hollow feeling that follows that. And then that million is no longer enough. Then you think, now I need 10 million to be happy. Or when I get that house or when I get that car, I'll finally have arrived. And then you get there and it's no longer good enough. I am working really hard not to allow any external metrics or external validation to dictate my self-worth and my self-belief. I want to be detached from all of those things. I want them simply to be byproducts and nice to haves. But I want to get to the point where I have the inner peace and the mental strength and resilience that regardless of what my bank account looks like, I show up every day with a sense of fulfillment and pride and love what I do. And so, yeah, I think it can be a tool, but I definitely don't think it is the essence or the epicenter of happiness. Dude, you speak with such conviction about how you want to show up in this world and I can't get enough of it. So I'm, dude, I'm so grateful to have you come on our show, share all your information. Steve and I have both been just consuming your content quite a bit over the past week or so. Where can people find your content, start getting more of it and start getting more of this podcast, but from you? The easiest place is allensteinjr.com. That's my speaking hub. And then if you go to my auxiliary site, strongerteam.com, that's where you can find out information on both of my books, my course, my podcast, my coaching. I'm very easily found on social media at Allenstein Jr. I would love to extend this conversation to any of your listeners. If I said anything that struck a chord or any part of our conversation resonated, or they have something they want to share, or even if they want to challenge one of my perspectives, shoot me a DM on Instagram at Allenstein Jr. or reach out through the website. Would always love to keep the conversation going. And yeah, if anyone's interested in the new book, you can go to sustainyourgamebook.com or just search for it in Amazon, Audible, wherever you get your books and audiobooks. I hope folks find it to be a helpful tool. That was the reason for doing it for sure. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. We absolutely loved having you here and excited to just be a part of your circle and your life going forward. So thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks. Well, thank you both. I'm better for it. You guys have really sparked, sparked something in me and helped bring a blind spot to the forefront. And now I'll have you hold me accountable to making those improvements. So I'm very glad that we've, we've now become fast friends. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.